Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Tanner Yarrow, CEO of Yarrow Studios, a toy and game maker that has raised over $2 million on Kickstarter, has two utility patents in the gaming world, and has sold and licensed toys and games all over the world. Tanner, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? James, super awesome. Thanks for having me. Hey, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here. We, we got their times worked out and uh, uh, short apologies for anybody that is, um, was hoping to get this an hour earlier. We got the schedule changed. So uh, actually, I actually think more people even jumped in than uh, we originally had scheduled. So it actually worked out uh, to the best. And I just have to say that uh, Tanner's got a kid on the way. So you know what, when you've got hospital appointments and things like that, Something like the binge is a, is a is a is a mild thought compared to the important stuff in life. So I'm glad uh, everything worked out and uh, things are going great. And let me start off just by saying congratulations. This is uh, it must be a wonderful feeling uh, having fatherhood around the corner. Yeah, you know it's it's weird. It definitely feels like everybody should care that it's the most important thing ever happening because um, <laughs> obviously it is to you. Yeah. Um, but I'm in Utah, which is the, the Latter-day Saint Mormon community. And most people around here are on their eighth or ninth kids. So it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> but for us, it's, it's super life-changing, man. The first one really uh, causes you to buckle down and, and keep doing Kickstarters. We pushed our <laughs> Kickstarter forward because the kid was coming and my wife was like, you know, it's like five grand to have a baby. And I was like, let's move the Kickstarter up. So that <laughs> there's classic, other reasons, but classic saying baby needs a new pair of shoes. Right. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, I just want to start off by saying for people that, that don't know about, uh, your company, um, you've done two Kickstarters so far. I know you got another one coming up that we're going to be talking about uh, shortly. And on this actual issue of the podcast, but you've raised, I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars just because it always sounds bigger. $1.5 million uh, across two campaigns, which is just phenomenal. And what I thought was really amazing was when I look at the backer count on that first campaign, you hit over 16,000 backers. Like that is a huge number. Uh, how, how did that feel when that all came together? Like, did that, was it expected or is it something that kind of just kind of caught you off guard or? It was not expected. So just to give you a little, little brief history, the, the D and D stuff is fairly new for me. So, and really? we can get into that yeah. a little bit later, but I've done, uh, I've been part of the toy and game world uh, for five or six years now. And I've, I've been a part of three or four Kickstarters, never managing the Kickstarter kind of graphic design help or product dev help and kind of let the marketing guys handle the Kickstarter side. And I honestly, if you were to ask me two years ago, if you could make money on Kickstarter, I would have said no. I, I for a long time told everybody that you need to kind of just chalk it up as a marketing tool. Yeah. Um, and with the first foray into the D&D stuff was that first map book with the 16,000 backers. And the whole campaign cost me a thousand bucks and wow wasn't a thing three months before i click launch so it was an idea three months before launch and i kind of was expecting like 
$50,000 and was expecting to spend about that in ads and marketing and just kind of watching it as it went. And it just, it went gangbusters. What's even more funny is I was, I was dating my now wife at the time, two years ago. Yeah. And her dad is a lawyer. And I, and the first time I met him, he was like, I, I don't understand what you do. Like you want to make, you want to make stuff for dragons, dragon game. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And that was the first time I met her family and my Kickstarter launched a week later and then it hit like 500 grand in the first 15 days. And her parents were like, all of a sudden really cool with it. And I, yeah, I don't I, give them I enough credit. <laughs> yeah. The next time I went out there, they were all uh, way more interested in, in learning about Dungeons and Dragons. But I, I throw them under the bus with that comment. They've, they've been supportive since day one. So that's incredible. Now, were you like, I know it was like the idea of creating this book. And I'll share my screen in a second for people watching so they can see it. Um, was, but were you playing Dungeons and Dragons for years before that? So you're new into the creation of a Kickstarter campaign for a product in that, in that area, but were you an avid Dungeons and Dragons or D and D player or? No. So my really brief history starts about 10 years ago. I had just returned from, uh, an LDS mission, one of those white shirt name tags in Argentina. So I lived in Argentina for two years. I got back and knew I wanted to do something. And my first little venture was action cameras. So this was about 10 years ago. I did an action camera to compete with GoPro and wanted to sell it to kids, kind of be like the kids version of the action camera. 10 years later, I had done, uh, I loved building toys and products. I loved going to New York Toy Fair and I loved, the Toys R Us was still around when I was doing this. And ended up developing an inflatable fort, which was our first kind of foray into Kickstarter. That's cool. The inflatable fort did $69,000. It's called Fortsy, F-O-R-T-S-Y. And it cost us about a hundred grand. So we were in crazy debt. Uh, It was me and uh, a buddy of mine whose background was in manufacturing. I ended up sneaking into Chicago toy and game show and I was running around and setting up the inflatable fort and then taking it down because that was kind of the cool part of it we ended up selling it to a company out of Florida who covered all our debt I then developed this toy right here which is called Glowbots. this is the first patent that I got it's a three-dimensional light bright so my utility patent is on any three-dimensional light-emitting objects. So these pegs come out. And so here I made the Mandalorian. I have a Borat right here. And this one's plugged in so you can see it lit up. I'll just, let's see, pan it over. Oh, it's super bright. Now the the characters, can you make any character? Or is it, so is it just like a standard kind of, for the people listening, they can't see it. Held up almost looked like a, well, looked like a little mini Mandalorian toy that was was lit up. So kind of like a light bright, you can pull the pieces off and create kind of any creature you want. Almost like uh, a light bright meets Mr. Potato Head, I guess, right? Yeah, it's like if light bright and Funko Pop vinyls, those collectible yeah, yeah, pop, Funko pop figures there, had yeah. a baby. Um, <laughs> I ended up licensing that to DC and then COVID and everything. We've had a number of setbacks, but fingers crossed that should launch this Christmas. Um, I did that with another board game 
uh, for kids called Build or Boom. Uh, that one and Glowbots, uh, I licensed to Goliath Games. So Goliath is the, they're like the Hasbro of Europe. Okay. So they're the biggest outside of the U.S. Um, they still have a quite a big foothold in the U.S. If you've heard of like Gooey Louie, where you pull the boogers out of the nose. Yep. <laughs> and Pop the Pig is some of their big ones. Sure. Um, so licensed those two and started playing Dungeons and Dragons at about that time. I hope I don't get pegged as a poser. I feel like in the 60s and 70s, it was kind of gatekept a little bit, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. But I, I'm, I love how open and inviting the community is now. And so I actually met my group at a comic book store. It, I went with nobody. I didn't have any friends that were into it. My friends were all the football kids at, in high school. Yeah. So I kind of went by myself. I met a group. They adopted me. I played for about a year and a half and was so sick of drawing the maps. And I was like, does something like this exist, like a book? And they're like, no. And so like two months later, three months later, it was up on Kickstarter and just, it really exploded when we met Green, Green Inbox, who connected me and you. Yes, Aaron. Yeah, we interviewed him uh, a couple months ago, actually. Yeah, I watched that. That was, a, that was a good interview. They're They're very good at what they do. That's for sure. So was that one of the key things that got you to really kind of take off and explode was once Green Inbox got involved with uh, helping with the social media boosting, I guess I would say, or optimization? You know, it did. The campaign was sitting at about half a million dollars with like seven days left. And I got an email from an Israeli guy asking me to wire him $5,000 to Israel. And... That never would have happened in any of my past companies because I'd built these teams of five or six people. And so I had like this board and both the games that I licensed, I've, I've hardly seen a dime from because we make a royalty and then it splits between six people. I got you. So with this Kickstarter project, it was just me. And I was like, well, the Kickstarters made that money. I could, I could, you know, float five grand and see what yeah. happens. And nobody was there to be like, you don't just send $5,000 to an Israeli prince. <laughs> and Iran connected me to one of the guys that he did a board game for. And that's all it really took for me to be like, okay, let's try it. And then Green Inbox did like $100,000 a day for the wow. next five days. So, so that it, was off a base of half a million. So how'd you get to the half a million in the first place? Like what got you there? So there were a couple things uh, that I did differently on this one that I saw. Again, I was a part of two or three Kickstarters before this. Okay. So there were things that I saw that worked and things that I saw that didn't work. Such as? And a bunch of the things that didn't work were trying to drum up excitement without having a real, a real product, product market fit. So for example, the, the earlier Kickstarter that I was a part of was the, the Forty, and it just wasn't the product market fit for Kickstarter. It was a really cool product, but it was made for kids that were five, six, seven, eight years old. And those aren't the people on Kickstarter. And so a lot of our money spent before that launch was on educating the consumer how to use Kickstarter. Yeah. And 95% of every single backer that we had were, were first-time Kickstarter users. 
And so we were never going to see the snowball effect with that campaign. And since then, I've met with 50 other people who are like, you know, help me do this Kickstarter. And I've just been like, look, don't do stuff for kids on Kickstarter. <laughs> I want to be a good product market fit. And that is Kickstarter demographics are mostly male, but that's that gap is shortening yeah. between the ages of 18 and 35 and they're buying board games and new technology. So I tell that to a lot of people. If it's if it's a product made for for women, there's a million other ways to launch. And that doesn't mean it's not gonna be a good product, but I don't know if that's the perfect product market fit for Kickstarter. And you end up just wasting money trying to educate the consumer on this platform when if you can have a product that fits the current ecosystem on Kickstarter, you can start the snowball effect. So with the map book, for example, it was such a perfect product market fit where it was D&D, which is super popular. It was uh, a board game, which is big on Kickstarter. It was innovative. And then we were the number one page on trending and popular for 25 of the 30 days that we were on Kickstarter. Wow. So that was so, so that was some of the things that didn't work and some of the things that did work. Some of the things that did work were I you can't really do this anymore. And I'm kind of looking for a new way to do this, but I built an Instagram account from zero to fifteen thousand followers in like three months. And how so one thing I saw on one of your campaign pages, I think it was the first one where you had one of your stretch goals was a social stretch goal, which I've seen some Kickstarters now do where they'll say, hey, if I can hit so many followers or get so many shares, so many likes, we're going to release another stretch target that everybody will benefit from. Was it, was it linking it into your page that helped you grow that? Or did you use other mechanisms to grow that following? Yeah. So I probably did something really stupid and I kind of got ripped apart for <laughs> you did it. something right. Let me just say that because yeah. you hit some okay. pretty big numbers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm totally for social stretch goals. I didn't do it on my last campaign and I, and it hurt for sure. On the first campaign, I set some social stretch goals like tag Matt Mercer, who is the the guy in D&D. And okay. I had tons of people being like, can we stop harassing poor Matt Mercer? But he's like a celebrity with like 8 million <laughs> followers. And I was like, it doesn't matter if 100 people tag him. He was tagged like 3,000 times during our campaign. Oh, that's awesome. And I think <laughs> I'm pretty sure he saw the product. And there was a lot of people that came from tagging Matt Mercer. Another one that really helped is I just had people share our ads. So our main video ad with, with, uh, um, of the product was shared 7,000 times, which is just insane. And how'd you get people to share it? Was that part of your stretch goal? Was it? That or? was social stretch goals. Yeah. Share the ad. And every time you, every time we hit a threshold of shared ads, I would add a new map to the book. So we started with 25 maps and i think the book launched with 32 maps how many maps did you have drawn before you before you launched <laughs> one so, so you're going as you're going wow <laughs> yeah um it 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 really was bad and good so if i can explain i launched totally underprepared i launched without any assets iran was getting after me because I didn't have photography. I, I went to the college down the street, Utah Valley University, and I had them print me the one map that I paid for from this guy, artist in Singapore. And then I coil bound it. Yeah. And I just had them print the same map like 30 times. 
So then I coil bound that and I used that to build the Instagram and I collected uh, Facebook Messenger subscribers via this software called ManyChat. Have you ever had anybody on the show talk about ManyChat? No. ManyChat is essentially MailChimp for Facebook Messenger. So is that many or mini? Can you spell it? M-A-N-Y-C-H-A-T. It allows you to do subscription blasts similar to MailChimp via Facebook Messenger. So every time somebody clicked on my Instagram page, which was just Dungeons and Dragons memes, I auto sent them a message that said, check out this map book coming soon. Click here to subscribe to be notified via Facebook. And in three months, I had 15,000 followers on Instagram and collected 1,000 people uh, ready to know more about the product before I ever launched. Now, And that was, I think, totally key. One thing that I think I've done very well is build a solid community. Yeah, clearly, with that many uh, backers, I mean, there's clear that you've got a community. I want to share really quickly for the people watching um, what your second pick campaign was, was this infinity map. Is it, you say infinity map or infinity dungeon map? Or infinite basically an dungeon, infinite yeah. map that just goes for it. So it's a scroll that as you unroll it, the mat, you're, you're um, basically exposing parts of this map, right? And this thing's like 40 feet long. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's, yeah. When you launched that, which again, huge success, were you then tapping into that same audience that you built on the first go around or were you taking some of these same tactics you did the first time around and, and, and hitting them again on the second wave? Or? Yeah. So here's what's crazy. So that first campaign, I collected all those followers. I launched it. It just started to snowball. Good product market fit just blew up gangbusters, 16,000 backers. Mm-hmm. This one was about a year later. I, I fell into this idea that I didn't need to do a whole lot via Kickstarter, meaning I could just have a crappy sample and that I just expected everybody to trust me. Just trust me, I'll make it look cool. Like I did with the map books. The, the, everybody that got the map books was totally, for the most part, totally blown away with what they were expecting versus what they got. And one thing that I did totally wrong was expecting that same. If you look at that picture, I'll, just, I'll, um, I'll, I'll let me grab this real quick. I'll show you and I'll, I'll explain for it people for people listening. listening. Yeah. These scrolls are what caught my eye when someone, when I was first introduced uh, to Tanner, this is probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So you got this scroll that is 40 foot long. And so you unrolled it on your table, you've got your dungeon map and then as you progress through this map, you just unroll another room. And then you can, uh, perpendicular to that, run another scroll and completely customize your, your dungeon map as, as you go, which is just crazy. And the, the design and the graphics are so spectacular. Like you can tell that a lot of uh, quality has gone into this. So Back to you, Tanner. As you're saying, as I'm uh, as I'm giving you props on your actual uh, your actual scroll. Yeah. So, I I ended up launching with this, and for those listening, it is 3D printed handles. So it basically looks like a Torah. Yeah. I made the map at Kinkos, so it's paper, and it's a foot wide. Um, so it was hideous, 
And, but I had this vision of what it, what it would be. And what we ended up with was a two foot wide, 20 foot long, beautiful, uh, uh, plastic woven scroll with, with these injection molded handles. So I kind of just wanted everybody to trust me, but that kind of set me up for what, what I deem as, as kind of failure. I didn't have the product far enough along to launch on Kickstarter. And I thought, you know, I did it before with Photoshop and, and people will trust me. And I already have 16,000 backers. We ended up at 5,000 backers with the scrolls, which is still a lot. (laughs) And there was like 10% crossover from the first campaign. Wow. I would have thought there would have been a higher crossover. Yeah. um, I mean, I think when you look in business in general, right, that is usually success's worst enemy is prior success. And, and typically people will, who are successful, you know, a task launching a new product or maybe put a, a, something into the marketplace and it goes extremely well. You know, your, your mind isn't very good at reminding of you of all the work that went into getting that first success. And, you know, in this case is a perfect example, right? Where you assume that, okay, I've got this platform. It's just going to carry over. And some of the regrets, regrets might've been not going back and repeating some of the things you did the first time around. Is that fair? Yeah, I think totally. Also to be fair, it still did, the campaign still did like 600 grand between it still did really the well. Kickstarter <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the pledge manager. Yeah. But just to, I, I think what really hurt us is two things. It wasn't a super good, sorry. It wasn't a super good product market fit. I keep using that word. I think that- the product was cool, but it was more niche for people that just wanted to play through a dungeon. Whereas the map book mm. could be way more versatile. The scrolls kind of suffered from come with me and play my story rather than kind of create your own. And that's not mm. really what lies at the essence of D&D. Now, I completely disagree with those people because I feel like the scrolls can be used the same way as the map books. If you just need a little section open it. You don't have to play it all the way through. And that was a very hard thing to explain. A lot of my time was spent on Facebook on our ads, not arguing with people, but being like, well, look, you could just open it and use a section rather than push through the whole thing. And people would kind of get it. We ended up doing of the 600 grand total, we ended up doing almost 400 grand in the first 48 hours. Wow. And that was February 2nd. And February 3rd or 4th, the WHO declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. And for the next 20 days, we were losing money. We had people pulling their pledges. I messaged every single person wow. that pulled their pledge. Yeah. And 99% across the board was COVID scary. We don't know what the future holds. We spent a lot of money on this campaign. This yeah. will go a long way for our family. And so I was super understanding, like, you know, yeah. I don't know what the future holds. I'll, I even send an update just like, hey, if you don't feel comfortable, get your money back because this is, we don't know what, there's so much uncertainty around it. And then luckily the stimulus dropped with like two days left and we did like a hundred grand on the last day because the stimulus checks went out. Did uh, you use Green Inbox for the second campaign as well? Yeah. And so I got to give Green Inbox in Iran all the credit there. Um, and he's, he's so funny. I, I don't, I never have good assets. 
I don't have a good media <laughs> kit. I need to just bring somebody on that can help me do that. I just have these, I like to do the product and the ideas. Yeah. And so he, he's like, listen, we need more stuff. We need more stuff. And what he was able to throw together with the very limited assets that he had um, to then turn around and do 400 grand in the first 48 hours yeah. is just insane. But we were, I was working with green inbox on that one, like two or three months before we clicked launch. Were you doing pre-marketing uh, with Green Inbox? Or were you doing pre-launch ads at all? Or yeah, pre-launch. So we did a little bit of yeah. many chat. We did a little bit of email, uh, Facebook Messenger subscription. We did a little bit of email collection. We did a little bit of Kickstarter page. You can kind of do a pre-launch page where you can click to be notified. Um, and I think that's super uh, key. Kind of going back just to give some value to your listeners. I think one of the most important things you can do is uh, aside from making sure your product fits in the ecosystem, if you have an idea and even if it's a game just for little kids, there's other ways to do it. You can license your product by attending any of the trade shows. All the major players are there and they license hundreds of products a year. It's not as yeah. hard as people think. Um, but if your product is a good fit, Kickstarter is a great place. The, the, the biggest thing you can do is spend about 80% of your effort and time before you ever click launch. That's yeah. having a good media kit, trying to build a base. One thing that I did really well in, in successfully building this base and this fan base and this community is involving them in the process. So I have a private Facebook group that is reserved for my, my backers of both campaigns, those that and, and, and I would be nowhere without them. I'm constantly throwing ideas over the fence. Mm. But what that creates is it creates this, this loyalty where not only this loyalty, but, but these consumers and these customers and these fans feel this obligation to share the campaign when it goes live because they were a part of the process. So I'll message my backers and say, you know, what do you guys think about this map or what maps would you like to see in future iterations? And I'm, and I'm sure to constantly be in communication with them. I'm very active on the page. And then when the campaign goes live, there's so many people, thousands of people are sharing it saying, hey, look what I was a part of. I picked this map. I helped design this map. I helped pick this cover. And it just creates a real solid community that, that, that I think is, is totally key. 80% of your effort should be before you ever launch. 20% is after 80% before. So on that note, where do you go from here? What's next on the horizon? You got another Kickstarter coming up, I believe. What is this Kickstarter all about that you have? Is it launching next week? Is it next Monday? It or? launches October 26th on Monday. Yeah. Perfect. And more D&D &D or what, what's the focus? Yeah, so this is another this is another map book. I had to get special permission from Kickstarter because I actually haven't fulfilled the scroll campaign yet. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we are going to fulfill on time. I gave a very detailed timeline. We're going to fulfill on time. And next year, there's five or six ideas. We're going to try to be doing about a Kickstarter every two months. And... I just, I had to get this one out this year or there wasn't going to be room for next year. So how'd you do and, that? Did you send them an email saying, Hey, I need your help. Here's a situation. Yeah, so Kickstarter will shut you down if they, if they think that you're just scamming oh, yeah. people or, or running another campaign without fulfilling. But we ended up talking to Anya, who's the games director at Kickstarter. We showed her, you know, videos from our factory. We showed her invoices and had to basically prove to Kickstarter that, 
number one, our manufacturing is nearly done. Two, it's all paid for. Fulfillment is all figured out and we're going to ship on time. And then they were like, all right, you guys can run another campaign. And the scariest thing for me was messaging all my scroll backers and being like, look, this next one may not be for you. Um, and I, and I hope nobody gets upset that I'm doing another one, but I have, I have too many ideas I want to do next year. Yeah. And I gotta just, I gotta start pumping these out. And I just had somebody on the Kickstarter today, uh, on the preview page for the new one, say something along the lines of, I hate that you're launching another one. Let's see. He said, I know I don't normally give creators. I don't normally back a creator's project unless they've, unless I've received my reward, but I believe in you. So I'm definitely backing this new one too. Wow. That's high praise. That's cool. It's, it's, it's fostering that community, taking care of your customers. Before we did the scrolls, I spent about five grand and replaced every single damaged book, tracked down every single person that didn't fulfill their pledge manager and hit almost a hundred percent fulfillment from the first campaign. And I try to take care of everybody as they come through. And I think that's just created this trust where now I can show something off and, and yeah. launch, have multiple Kickstarters running at the same time. And so give us a preview. What is it? What is this next Kickstarter? I'm, 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 I'm here so with anticipation. What is it? Yeah. So it's back to the <laughs> basics. It's more similar to the first map book All right. than the scrolls. So it's a book of maps that's the same size as the first book. But all of these maps are not bound. So, so they like a portfolio then, is it? Like they come out? Can you pull one out? Can we see this? Yeah, it's got a magnetic flap. Um, it's got 40 maps this time. So the wow. book only had 30. Are they double-sided as well? Can they flip? Yeah, they're double-sided. So basically what the cool part about this is you're able to um, pull it out. You'll have uh, 40 maps, 20 pages double-sided. And I'll just show you the back of the book right here you can put all the maps together and kind of build a dungeon as you go. Oh, that's cool. So this, this to build this, what you would need like a 600 square foot room and you'd have to be playing on the floor Yeah, yeah. Um, to use all the maps together. But what's the size of that tile? So the people listening, like people watching can see that that was huge. But it's yeah. Each map is 22 inches by 17 inches. It's wow. almost two square feet. Wow. And so at 40 maps, you're at about 80 square feet. So maybe not a 600 square foot bedroom, but to have everybody in there comfortably and, and playing on the full dungeon that they're able to build. But what was cool is the, the map books, I sold a lot of doubles. So a lot of people bought two so they could put them together. Yeah. And so we just kind of took it a step further and just like, what if we didn't bind it? And, and we could, now you could put, you buy one and you could put 20 maps together. And so that was kind of the idea there. We're launching with three books. Um, this one has been taken way further than the scrolls lesson learned. I got a lot <laughs> of good product photography. We're launching with, I think I have about 40 maps drawn of the 120 that I'm hoping to do. Okay. Again, I think that involving the community is super important. So as the Kickstarter's going, backers will be able to pick and choose and vote and throw out ideas on what they want to see in the next books. And so it's just kind of created a, just a cool different environment where the, the customer is, is far more than that and gets to be heavily involved in the ideation. And so I think somebody, go ahead. I was going to say, if somebody wants to back this, so how do they back this? So if somebody wants to find you on Kickstarter next week, how best do they find? So this will be called the immersive battle Atlas. Okay. 
Um, Easier way, uh, maybe just go to Yara, uh, yarostudios.com. You'll have a Yara link on there, Yarostudios.com. Yeah, we'll throw the link up on Monday. The and 26th. so spell that. That's Y-A-R-R-O studios.com. And uh, they go there. They'll be able to get a link that'll take them then to the Kickstarter page. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Perfect. Hey, you have been a wealth of knowledge. I would love to have you come back again for another a round two. We, some of our guests come back for round two when we can't get through everything in a half hour. Um, maybe after you launch this next campaign, love to even go through like a top, you know, five top 10 learning. I know you did a video after your last campaign. I think it was back last. Fall. Oh, don't tell people about that. I don't want people. I saw it. It's it. hilarious because it's top 10, but you gave nine. But then you, you fully admitted that you had nine in the video, which is kind of funny the way you kind of did the, you cut it all together. And it was fun. I, I yeah, I, I like got it. some flack for that. I posted that before fulfilling the first book. So nobody <laughs> had any reason to trust me. And I got just torn apart. People were like, stop making videos, finish the project. But now that we've done that, we can, we can mess with other stuff. That's a good video. You know what? The number one thing you put in there was build the community, build the community. And you said it again today. So um, you know, I think anytime you can share any knowledge to people, um, it, it's a good thing, right? There's nothing wrong with, you know, letting people know, here's what's working for me before your campaign's even done. There's so many people out there that are looking to get into this game and, you know, they may not know where to start or they might be stuck with something. So, um, yeah, you know. I would say, I would say, get involved, join as many Facebook groups that are yeah. dedicated to creating games and then get involved. Like, honestly, you can't fake it. If you're going to, so many people are trying to get into the Kickstarter game and they're trying to fake it. Yeah. There are these, there are these kids with money that are, that are trying to do what's trending. You know, they're how many masks COVID-19 masks have launched in <laughs> Kickstarter in the last 20 yeah. days. And, and even in board games, you know, you, 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 I feel like you can tell when the person creating the campaign is just trying to capitalize on this hot new trend of board games. And so get involved with the communities, get crew, build your own community. Don't fake it. I think transparency is key. One thing that I did really well during the campaign was owning up to my mistakes. I had people all the time being like, Hey, you screwed this up. And I was just like, you're totally right. I screwed it up. And you'd be surprised how, if you're just quick to admit your, your mistake and fix it, yeah. people are so much more forgiving then how many Kickstarter campaigns have you backed where there's delays and you haven't heard from the creators? You know, before people find out about delays, I'm the one that lets them know. And I'm like, hey, look, I screwed this up and everything's being pushed back a week, but I'm going to figure it out. And it's been so game changing for me to where everybody's very understanding. They're just like, you know what? We get it. Thanks for letting us know. So take care of your, take care of your people because that's, that's what the game is all about. Absolutely. Well, once again, congratulations on all your success. Thanks for coming on our podcast. I appreciate it. And uh, all the best with your upcoming campaign. You take care. Right on, James. Have a good one. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.